Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I've been prayerful this week about what to give you guys and just seeking the Lord. Um, it's not your traditional kind of New Year's Eve day season message. Uh, but I did hear one on the way here, which is really good. <laughs> um, and I might have to preach that one day. But anyway, <laughs> we were talking about Nebuchadnezzar and um, uh, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how, and it just really ministered me, to me in that moment, uh, that, you know, it's no matter what would happen with them going into the furnace, they were going to do what the Lord wanted them to do. And he said, so even, so even with our plans for the new year, and we have great plans, and we pray that they're all successful. None of us plan for harm or hurt or financial struggle or illness or sickness or disease. Uh, we, don't, we don't normally put that in our plans. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did because they said, you know, they praise the Lord. We're going to believe God that even if we go through this furnace, he's going to see us through. But even if he don't, and, uh, and I was like, man, you know what? That is so powerful because that is, that is just not believing God for the good things. That's believing God that even if it doesn't work out in my favor, I'm still going to bless you. You're still my God. I'm not going to give up on you just because it doesn't work out the way I wanted it or had planned for it to work out. So um, you might hear that on a message one day soon, um, <laughs> even if you don't. So even if he doesn't, do all that I have planned for the new year all the grand and great things that I want to have happen, um, I, am be- I am still believing God, that God is God, you know. And my plans may not always line up with what he would want me to do. And in the end, he knows what's best for me, even when it fails, even when it looks like it's, it's failed on my part. Uh, God's word is true. His promises are yea and amen. And he loves us, and he's going to see us um, through whatever difficult situations may arise, um, because that is life. Um, so anyway, I won't go off too far on the rabbit trail with that. Uh, but let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your love, uh, Lord God. We thank you for you. Jim, we thank you for being able to worship you on today. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives, the good and what may look like bad. Um, because you can even work that bad in my favor for my good. Um, so, Lord, we just thank you and we honor you for all that you're doing. We thank you for this word, uh, that we, we will receive it with open hearts and open ears, and that we will apply it to our lives in this upcoming year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so um, there's several scriptures. We're going we're gonna to focus on one, which is Mark 2, 1 through 5. Uh, we're going to focus on... Uh, the parable or the lesson that Jesus was speaking about uh, healing, or not parable, it wasn't a parable, but the healing of the paralyzed man. Uh, we're going to talk about that story and unpack that and Mark mainly. Uh, but that story can be found in Matthew 9, 1 through 8. It can be found in Mark 2, 1 through 5, and then also in Luke 5, 17, 17 through 20. It seems like Mark uh, was more descriptive in his um, telling of that story. Matthew, I don't know what happened to him. Um, it just was not a good, <laughs> it wasn't very long. But anyway, we're going to focus on, on Mark 
for the most part. But those those the story, and I will reference sometimes Matthew and Luke's uh, telling of that story, uh, just because some things may be in those uh, stories that it's not picked up in Mark. But I think Mark covers everything um, that we want to cover. But before we do that, before we jump in, and then finally we're going to go to Job 42 and 10. Um, so before we do that, I do have a YouTube video that I wanted to show. Um, I think it's a it's a good one. Kind of tells the story a little bit. So if you're not a, a odd, if you don't like hearing, then you can also visualize the story. We have it ready. We're, we're right. Don't you complain. I mean, you're the one who kept stopping for lunch and morning tea and rest breaks and dessert and... <sighs> I'm sorry, man. I, I know this was important to you. Hang on. Levi, if you're afraid of heights, raise your hand. <laughs> what? Yay! Hey, me! Surely you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do heal what we have heard. What? Look. In the back. What are you doing? When the sky was wet. sins are forgiven. Forgiving sins? Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk? Get up! Take your mat and go home. scripture in that passage Jesus says he saw their faith and so I want us to be on the same page when we talk about what faith is and so faith the dictionary defines faith as complete trust or confidence in someone or something and we know the scripture in Hebrew 11 1 says now faith is the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see uh, but Faith is really just a belief or strong belief or trust in God. Uh, faith and believe are sometimes used interchangeably. 
If you look at Luke uh, 6.45, it says, A good man brings good things out. Uh, I'm sorry. A, a good man brings good things out of the good that's stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For, mouth, the mouth, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so we want to be full of faith. And so we want to speak that in all times. And so we reference that verse because if we look at Romans not Romans 10, 9, it says, and I'm, I'm going quickly because I have other stuff I want to get to. So this is not the meat of what I'm talking about. Um, so we're going to quickly get through this to get to what I really want to get o- go over. Uh, but we look at Romans 10, 9, it says, uh, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So faith is crucial in our salvation. We first must believe. We first must have faith um, in order to become saved. We must believe that Jesus rose, uh, lived and rose from the dead. Come on, good. Come on. Is that me? Um, I'm sorry. All right, good. All right. So if you look at, uh, so yeah, so we must have faith. Now, faith can be something simple. Now, how many of you, when you came in, I might have used this example before, I think, a while ago. When you came to sit down, did you check your seat to make sure that it wasn't going to fall or break? Did anyone, like, check the, the, no one did? All right, so you have some level of faith. Even if you, so you have faith that Cornerstone was going to have good chairs and that you'll be able to sit in without worrying about it. So how many of you, when you go to Walmart or Kroger or some department store that has those kind of automatic doors, that you're, are you timid when you walk towards those doors? Are you hesitant about walking in? Because you are someone is. Sometimes I have been fooled sometimes. Walmart can kind of like, why well, I got to get right up on that door <laughs> before it opens up. Um, but a lot of times we have faith that that establishment those doors are going to work. My, not many of us have actually walked into those doors and they didn't work. Maybe have that happen? Has that happened once? I want to see that. That's funny, right? <laughs> um, but we have faith that that establishment has the uh, properly working doors and they're, they're going to open and close when we walk up. it. So we have some level of faith. Um, we have faith when it comes, and I don't know why, uh, <laughs> When it comes to people driving, other people driving, I have faith in my own ability, but you have to be concerned about what other people are doing. And we have faith that they're going to actually stop. And sometimes they don't, so it causes accidents. Uh, but you're going to have faith that people are going to actually uh, obey the rules of the road and, and be courteous and do certain things that um, we think are, are important to get us from point A to point B. And so we do have a level of faith. Because sometimes we question our faith. Do I believe enough? Well, you do have enough. If you can believe that, you know, Walmart is going to have their doors open and closed. (laughs) And Walmart is or is liable to make mistakes. Uh, Maybe they didn't pay their bills. (laughs) Or maybe there's just a malfunction in that door. Uh, But we still have faith. We have some level of faith. And so we also need a level of faith to accept that. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He lived and rose from the dead, and now I believe with that faith. Uh, Matthew 17, 20 talks about because you have so little faith, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Um, so you don't require a whole lot of faith. 
just a little bit of faith, mustard seed faith. And I, you know, and hopefully that will grow. We don't want to be 20 years in and still work looking at mustard seed faith because the thing about a mustard seed is a very small seed, but if you plant it and water it, it becomes one of the bigger trees or, or, or trees in the garden and other animals and other things can find refuge in that tree. And so that's what we want. We may start out with the mustard seed faith, but we want to grow and develop that faith until it matures so that other people can use us. And not use us in a bad way, but use us. Uh, Strong's Dictionary 41.2 says the root word which we get faith from is a noun. It's called pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S. And it is to believe. The verb is pistuo, P-I-S-T-U-E-O. And I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Um, and it also means faith, means faith, believe, firm persuasion, assurance, firm conviction, faithfulness, uh, to trust in, rely upon, commit to, the charge of, confide in, have a mental persuasion. So we have faith. And so we're going to go back to the story and just unpack it a little bit and go through some things uh, that I think are important for this upcoming year that God wants us to do with our faith for our friends. Um, So we're going to mainly focus on Mark and go through a few things, and I'm going to I'm going to skip around a little bit, um, but don't be discouraged. There's a point to this. <laughs> um, but looking at Mark, and we're going to look at first. So, so you saw the video with these friends. Uh, Mark is the only uh, scripture or, or passage that actually says there were four friends. The other two said some friends uh, and said you know some some men. Um, they don't give a descriptive number. Mark actually says four. So. That video was accurate in that they depicted four men who were helping their friend uh, along who was paralyzed. And so the first thing we look at is that um, why was it his friends and not like his family? You know, I wondered that. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one that wonders those things. Like where was his mom or dad or siblings? Where were they and why didn't they bring him Versus his friends. And then I also wonder, like, was this something that he had from birth? Or was this something that happened later in life? So maybe he had moved on from his family. and Maybe they weren't concerned about that. And then something happened to him. And now his friends had to, you know, take him. Just wondering. That's me. <laughs> uh, we're not given a whole lot of information about the paralyzed men. A man. Um, we don't know how he met his friends. We don't know where this family were. Uh, but what we do know is that he had friends. And he had four good friends. And so we really want to focus on that because do we have, you know, friends that are willing to do what these four men did for this paralyzed individual? You know? Are they willing to, you know, walk the walk and talk the walk and not just say I'm a Christian in, in word, but also a Christian in deed? So I'm sure these friends had troubles just like everyone else. They had issues in their lives or families possibly that they had to worry about. I'm sure they had to work. Um, they had other things that they had going on. But they had a friend who 
was paralyzed and needed someone to help bear that burden. Are we willing as Christians to bear the burden of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? Because that's what we call each other, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Are we willing to bear that burden? They had their own weights and troubles and things that they had going on, and I'm sure come the new year they had things that they had um, wanted to have happen throughout the year, and they had their resolutions and things that they wanted to see happen. Uh, and maybe one of those things was to see this friend heal. And so I wonder, how do, how do you get to that point? Uh, how do we get to that point in your friendship that you're willing to sacrifice so much of yourself for someone else? And so it requires a different level of thinking. It requires a different level of understanding what your life is about and that it is really not your life. It is his. Uh, it really requires a different understanding about what your goals are. And, you're, and it's not about you. It's about him. Uh, and we sang that song, which is so appropriate. It's all about you. The heart of it all is about Jesus. And if we really get that, not as a song or not here and say it to other people that it's all about Jesus. And then we go about doing our own thing, but really understand that it is all about him. My life is for him to use, not for me and not for my own selfish gain or my little corner of the world that I'm trying to work on. But it is about him. Um, so thinking about these friends and what they had going on in their lives and all that they had going on, they took Galatians 6 to to heart that says, carry each other's burdens in the way, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carrying each other's burdens. And so they took it literal. They said, we're going to actually carry (laughs) you. But are we carrying one another's burdens? How do we get to where we can carry one another's burdens? And so Galatians 5.14 says the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. And I think Paul had it in mind uh, when they wrote Galatians, that when because 5.14 comes before 6.2, obviously. But when he wrote 6.2, he still had 5.14 in mind when he says, carrying each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Because in Galatians 5.14, he remembers saying, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, Love your neighbor as yourself. And if we can do that, that is it. He said the entire law. If you don't remember, if you don't memorize anything else in the Bible, <laughs> and there's a lot to memorize. If you don't do, if you don't try to do anything else, and there's a lot to uh, apply in your life and try to do, uh, it is encompassed in loving your neighbor as yourself. And I think in 5.14, when he says, loves your neighbor as yourself, then he, I think Paul explains what that means in Galatians 6.2, when he talks about carrying each other's burdens. So it's one thing to say, I love my neighbor as, as myself, and then he tells you how to do that, by carrying one another's burdens. You tracking? You getting it? You're picking it up? All right. <laughs> Are you willing to carry each other's burdens. This is what we had to ask ourselves. I can say I love my neighbor as myself, but then I'm going to ask you, well, whose burdens are you carrying? 
whose burdens are you carrying? Not your own. He knows these friends had their own burdens, I'm sure. And he knows that we have our own burdens. But he still says, carry each other's burdens. That requires us to be intentional in our relationships. Uh, That requires us to think differently about relationships. Requires us to be a lot less selfish. And I'm speaking to myself. God knows I haven't I haven't arrived at all. I'm nowhere near where I need to be when it comes to carrying each other's burdens. And so I think about what does that look like? What how do you want me, Lord, to carry the burdens of my friends who are people who I call my friends or my sisters and brothers in Christ? Not necessarily my friends, uh, my sisters and brothers in Christ. What does that look like? Um, Paul mentions involves, uh, Paul involves dealing with the burden of one another, uh, other's Christians uh, when he talks about in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. He talks about uh, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you are spiritual, you who are spiritual, to restore him in the spirit of gentleness. That, of course, isn't a different approach from the steps uh Jesus outlined in Matthew 18 and 15, it merely explains how the process is to be carried out gently and meekly and is underscores the true restoration, not punishment or public rebuke uh, when we come to restoring one, someone who is in sin. Uh, but it is different than the act of compassion or self-sacrifice that we do on behalf of our brethren, uh, practically meaning that we display God's love, uh, Minerva talked about displaying love, applying God's love in every area of our life. So when we display God's love by showing compassion and and self-sacrifice, and we fulfill the moral demands of his law that says, love your neighbor as yourself, uh, when you become self-sacrificing and compassionate. Every act, in every way of our life, that's what we should be working on. So, They saw that these men came up and they saw this large number that was there and there was no room left. And they could have easily given up. They could have easily said, you know what, we came here, there's this crowd of people, and we can't get in. We might have to try another day. They could have said that. Uh, That large numbers, there there was no room left, not even outside the door. Uh, And he preached uh, the word for them. So even outside the door, they just could not make it in with this man. And so, uh, but they were persistent in their faith. Their faith said, we're not going to give up. We're not going to let you down. We've, we've toiled with you for however long that man had been paralyzed. We've prayed with you. We've been in the trenches with you. I know this is something you want to have happen. I'm here for you. We're not going to give up. My faith is persistent. I see the obstacles, but I'm not willing to give up on my friend. And so we're going to keep going. So, one, their faith was persistent. They saw the obstacles, but they were not willing to give up. They weren't going to say, they, were, they weren't going to take no for an answer. They weren't going to say, well, you could have been healed, but there were so many people there, we decided to turn away. They weren't going to have it. Because they had, they took on his burdens. His burden was their burden. Because it's easy for me to say, if it's not my burden, 
Well, I tried. We're going to come back next time and drive on back around and go on back to my house. Because that's not my burden. I haven't toiled with you. I haven't prayed with you. I haven't been in the trenches with you. I haven't see, seen the needs that you have and how this paralyzation has stricken you so you can't do anything for yourself and you're left on this bed. And if I'm not a friend, then I don't know that struggle. And so it's easier for me to turn away and say, well, I try. Let's go on back. But because I've been in the trenches with you, because I've toiled with you, because I know how this is stricken you so, I'm not willing, or my faith is not willing to let this be it. We're not going to let this be it. So the faith was persistent. The faith was creative. He said, hey, we can't get in through the front door. How about the roof? Now, I'm not saying you break into here and uh, not saying that at all. <laughs> but their faith was creative. And so if we're trying to win someone to Christ and we're persistent, Sometimes we may have to be creative. Maybe it's not inviting them to Sunday service. Maybe it's inviting them to my house for dinner. Uh, maybe that's the first step. And then say, hey, you know, we have church, so we have Bible study. I want you to come. Maybe the first step is not even inviting them to church at all. Just say, hey, brother, are you saved? I don't care where you go. <laughs> Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior in the pardon of your sins? Let's start there. If that's yes, then great. Now, are you going somewhere? Are you going to church anywhere? No, then I go to a great church. You're welcome to come. But it is important that we start there. So, th- But their faith is creative. Let's be creative about how we're going out. Let's be creative with our friends on how we're, uh, our faith is working on their behalf. Their faith was urgent. They, 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 did, they couldn't wait. Jesus had come and gone several times, and I think the word had gotten out that he was there, and that's why so many people were there. And so they were afraid that they would miss their opportunity because Jesus could slip away and he could be gone for another week or months or however long. But this was the time. This was the hour. This is, we cannot wait until the crowd dispenses because then there will be so many people standing up by Jesus and we might not be able to get a chance. Uh, we can't wait to the end of his sermon. We need this now. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, now is the day of salvation. We need it now. We can't wait. And this doesn't mean that we force people to do certain things, but we are urgent in our message. Our message is, hey, you need it now, brother. I don't want you to go to sleep without knowing Jesus and the pardoning of your sins. And if you choose not to, then I'm going to be back tomorrow and say, hey, do you know Jesus? Or whatever your struggle is, I'm going to be there to help you in that. So our faith is persistent. Our faith needs to be creative. Our faith is urgent. And our faith is sacrificial. You know, like I said, it doesn't give a whole lot of history about this man that was paralyzed and how long that had been going on. But I'm sure his friends took time to feed him, the energy that it took, the praying, the possible fasting that it had to go on maybe. Uh, the knowing, oh, Jesus is near, and now we physically have to lift you up and take you to Jesus. I don't know how long they traveled. It doesn't say. Maybe it was uh, several hours. You know, several hours of carrying a grown man, and then say, now, the cartoon had him looking real small, but I don't know. There's some big brothers you have to carry for 
10 minutes and I'd be like, ah, oh, I'm done. <laughs> you got some more friends. <laughs> um, but they were sacrificial in their time and their energy and their prayers, uh, just working for their friends' behalf because they were in the trenches and bearing one another's burdens, carrying each other's burdens. Our homes, I read this, uh, and I thought this was really neat. It says, opening up your home can be something that you do that's sacrificial. Uh, your home is a missionary outpost, not a museum. I was like, wow. Your home is a missionary outpost, not a museum. Now, my home right now might be a little junky museum, but it's all right. <laughs> um, but our home is a missionary outpost, meaning that we got to be willing to let people in and live life with them and, and, and walk beside them. So faith is persistent, creative, urgent, and sacrificial. So it says, verse 3, it says, Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. Do you have faith that's willing to break through the roof? Do we have breaking through the roof faith for our friends that says, hey, I can't go the traditional route, but you know what? I'm willing to dig. And it talks about the roof and uh, certain scholars give a debate on how that looked. Uh, it, it made more sense that um, I think Luke says tiles. And so a lot of times their roofs, roof, 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 <laughs> roof had tiles, uh, stone tiles. And sometimes they would insulate that with dirt or sod on top of those tiles. And so it makes sense that in Mark, it talks about digging because they possibly had to dig through the sod or the dirt and then remove the tile to lower, lower the paralyzed uh, man down to see Jesus. And I can imagine Jesus, like in this picture where, you know, you're in here and you're a crowd of people and you're listening to the word being preached and all of a sudden you see, uh, you know, someone coming through the roof and I don't know did Jesus stop and wait did he continue to preach or you know it doesn't doesn't give those details but I wondered if he was like was he not bothered by that at all until the man actually dropped down in front of him and so they do all of that and I think it's important to uh so we go back in Mark and this is so uh, because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then Lord the mat the man was lying on when Jesus saw their faith. So Jesus saw their faith, and it is important us to realize it didn't say he saw the man's faith, and I'm not sure where the man, the paralyzed individual, uh, faith was, but he said he saw their faith. Then he saw the faith of his friends. He was moved by the faith of his friends. So even if your friend doesn't believe, if you believe enough for your friend to just get him where he needs to get to, God will see your faith and say, I'm going to bless your friend, because I saw their faith. I saw that they were willing to go above and beyond just the, well, we, we try to get through the door, and we couldn't. Their faith said, if we can just touch the hem of his garment, if we can just get in his presence, I know there's a blessing for you, brother, sister in Christ. We've been, we have been bearing this burden way too long. Not you. 
but we, because I'm carrying this with you. And I need for God to do a miracle. And I know he can do it if we can just get to Jesus. And so he brings them in. Jesus sees them. He sees their faith. And he says to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And so I was a little shocked by that because initially you say, why? You see this man obviously needs healing. Why not healing first? Why didn't he say, oh, I obviously see this guy has, he needed to come down on the bed. So let me speak healing over his life. But that wasn't the first thing God did, Jesus did. Because healing would have been comfortable, would have made that man comfortable. But he needed his sins to be forgiven. Because that brings him in right relationship with God. It is not as important that we be comfortable in life. Because sometimes you will be uncomfortable. And you may have to live with that uncomfortability. But it is more important that you have right relationship with God and your sins be forgiven. What profit a man if he gained the whole world but lose his soul? What if you got your healing, but then you wind up going to hell? What if that man who was paralyzed, they went and got there and got healed, but went out and led a treacherous life? Then you're no greater. <laughs> your healing didn't do what I thought the healing would do for you. But what you need and what we all need is forgiveness. And Jesus recognized that and said, what he needs, just like everyone else who's standing, is to be forgiven. And so he offered the man forgiveness first. And he called him a son. Romans eight fourteen talks about, uh, and because we are sons, God has sent forth his spirit on his sons into the hearts, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So he saw him as a son even before he asked for forgiveness uh, or accepted his forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins is the main need for every person. And what greater person to do that is for Jesus right then and there. And there's some, um, that's, well, we'll get into that. So, yeah, so ask for forgiveness. So it goes on, and this is not my main thing. I want to go back. But it talks about, you know, now this is where the video is wrong, okay? Because the word says, we're going to look at six. Uh, verse 6 in Mark it says, Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking. So the video shows the guy speaking out loud, you know. And this is how, you know, we talked last week about knowing the truth of the word because if you don't know the truth, then you would think that. That was said out loud, and that's what Jesus responded. And it's just a minor thing, but it's an important thing because it gets to a get, uh, it reveals certain thing, reveals two things. Well, one thing in particular is that God knows what your Jesus knew what you were thinking, and so Jesus knew in that moment what they were thinking, and that's why one when he when he responded to them, they were shocked. They were like, "Whoa, I didn't even say it. I was just thinking it." And Jesus knew what I was thinking, and he responded. And he says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that they, this, uh, in verse 8, Mark, it says, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? 
Which is easier, to say that this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? But I want you, want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So this is important for another reason, too, because only God could forgive sins, is what they believe. And so when Jesus said he was forgiven sins, they were like, whoa, only God can forgive sins. Who does he think he is? Why is he saying this? And so in this moment, and this is why I like Jesus so much, because I like it for a lot of reasons, but <laughs> because Jesus was not just, he was, he, it didn't appear, it didn't say, and Jesus never was, he was not uh, surprised or deterred or caught off guard. He was ready for it all. And you would think that the story would have been good enough if he just said to the man, your sins are forgiven, and then go and be healed, walk, take your mat and walk on out. That would be great. But he'd take a chance in this moment to say, I'm going to address some bigger issues. It's not about just this moment, but there's some bigger issues I need to address with the people around me. And so that is why he takes this time to say, I am not just Jesus, the person you see, but I'm fully God. And that is why I can forgive sins. So I was like, wow, you know, Jesus, you the man. You really are, you know, you're thinking about this thing, big picture. You're just not looking small picture. You know, you're thinking about addressing this need, but also the needs around and, and addressing some issues that people may have, even in their thinking. Like, oh, man, you, you just know it, man. You're the best. Uh, <laughs> but um, so it's important. He, he's addressing a bigger issue and saying that I have you can come to me and ask for forgiveness of sins. And this is important because let's say Pastor Taylor comes and says, Virgil, uh, I forgive your sin. You know, I forgive you of your sins. Or I ask for forgiveness from Pastor Taylor. And he says yes. But then someone else who's, or maybe not Pastor Taylor. I've, I'm sorry. Let me get this right. <laughs> I've done something wrong to Pastor Taylor. And maybe I need to ask for forgiveness. But I don't go. Maybe my wife goes and says, hey, uh, she comes to me and says, Pastor Taylor forgives you of the things you did to him wrong. And Pastor Taylor's looking at her like, hey, I haven't even said anything to you about <laughs> what he did to me. He, she can't offer forgiveness on my behalf. And that is what those people thought. Jesus can't offer forgiveness for God because he was somebody else in their thinking. But I, I haven't done anything, Pastor Taylor, not to you or to, or to Dietrich. <laughs> but um, so that is why only God could offer forgiveness because our, all, our sin is against God and not against anyone else. And so when they, Jesus said that, it really, like, he's blaspheming. He can't do that. Only God can do that. And so he let them know, I'm God as well. Um, so in verse 12, he said, so he tells the man in verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. So he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And I'm sure, you know, seeing the roof been opened up and someone dropped in would, would have been enough. But then also Jesus knowing what the people were thinking is also a uh, was an amazement in and of itself and him addressing that. And they were amazed. The point is, oh, I'm going to go. So 
we have that to say. I say all that to say, you know, it is important that we as brothers and sisters in Christ bear one another's burdens. We cannot go in 2019 thinking that it's about me. It's about my life, what I can do, and I'm going to keep it here. We have to go into 2019 thinking broader and less about ourselves and more about others uh, to the willingness of bearing someone's burden. And so we see an illustration of that in this story. uh, But that could be practical practical things that you can do in your life, uh, whether it be praying for someone, um, reaching out to someone in need and helping meet that need, uh, just finding out where people are, <laughs> what life is like for them. Um, that may open you up culturally. The potato salad may not be like your potato salad. It's okay. <laughs> the chicken may be baked and not fried. The green beans may have, may not have neck bones and ham hocks in it. Uh, it may have some onion rings sprinkled on top, but that's okay. <laughs> I am willing to go outside of my box and my comfort zone to live life with you so that I can bear your burden. So I have to know what's on your heart. I need to know what's on your heart. What's troubling you? What can I pray for you about? Not just Pastor Taylor or the elders praying for us, but this is cross-aisle, cross-generational, cross-racial interactions with one another, that we are bearing one another's burdens. And if we do that, then I don't have to worry about my burdens because I have someone to bear my burdens as well. Because sometimes we get caught up in, well, what about me? Well, if I'm doing that, then God is going to make sure that someone is there to bear my burden. Let's go to, finally, Job 42.10. And so we know the life of Job. It is a well-preached, well-thought-out story in the Bible. Uh, life in the Bible, just not a story. Someone actually lived that. Um, now, all that Job lost. And Job had some friends to come and kind of stare at him. and <laughs> They weren't necessarily probably the best of friends. Uh, and some of the actions that they did or took, or they didn't know what to do because Job had gone through such an ordeal. And how many times? Sometimes we just don't know what to do as individuals because someone may have experienced something so catastrophic or so life-changing that we really just don't know what to do, how to appease, how to comfort, how to go to them. And so we go like Job's friends and kind of look at him and stare and, you know, maybe maybe he sinned. Maybe this, maybe he did this wrong. Maybe he did that. Maybe he should try this. And we give a laundry list of things that possibly someone should try or do. Uh, but uh, it does not say, and I think it was really important that I, I um, you know, I kind of read over this a couple of times. So if you look at Job 42.10, let me get to it. Um, It specifically says, and I don't know what version of the Bible you have, but it says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortune. And the King James says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. And it says, and it goes on to say, and also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And Job, I mean, I don't know if you get that. 
that all that there's 42 chapters in Job. And it wasn't until Job 42.10 that it says that when he prayed for his friends, then God turned things around for Job and gave him twice as much as he had before. That's, I don't, man, I tell you what. <laughs> God wants us to bear one another's burdens. If not for all the things I mentioned before, <laughs> If nothing else, but for Job 42.10, it says that God is going to give me all the things that I thought I lost or lost once I pray for my friends. And that seems so simple, but I think what he wants us to do is bear one another's burdens in that praying for our friends. It's not just a quick God heal them and be gone. It is, I know what you've gone through. I know I've been there for you, and I'm going to pray with you in this then God begins to change my situation once he prayed for his friends. You can stand to your feet. I'm done. But um. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434 847 Four seven nine six. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.